0: Uh, But he asked this question, why is there a Holy Spirit? And as soon as he said that, a lot of you kind of had preconceived ideas. The Pentecostals here this morning kind of got all excited and like, woohoo, the Holy Spirit. And uh, the Baptists probably thinking, okay, if he starts speaking tongues, we're out of here. Uh, The Presbyterians probably were thinking, I'm okay with the Holy Spirit, but if he says the Holy Ghost then that is, that's a deal breaker. No Holy Ghost. The Catholics probably this morning were thinking, Spirit, like Jack Daniels, Southern Comfort, what are we talking about? Um, and then those who, uh, who probably never grew up in church probably think, Spirit, what, we're going to have like a seance or something? Someone get a Ouija board out, something like that. You've all got preconceived ideas when, when we say Holy Spirit. But for the next 20 minutes, I want you to forget all your preconceived ideas. And let's just listen what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is probably one of the biggest mysteries of the Bible. We really don't know a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. But we're going we're gonna to delve into what the Bible does say about the Holy Spirit. And there's things. I grew up in a denomination uh, that taught a lot about the Holy Spirit. Almost every week we talked about the Holy Spirit. And some things were very right about the Holy Spirit, but some things were just very man-made about the Holy Spirit. We kind of think, well, this is, this is true because this is what I experienced, but the Bible didn't, in fact, teach it. And so this morning, what I want us to do, just forget all that we've ever known about the Holy Spirit, and let's just look exactly what the Bible says. I, I, I said last week, I said, I'm no theologian. And so when I read the Bible, I search for simple answers. Because I'm a pretty simple guy, you know, my IQ is kind of average. But when the Bible was written, and when God gave us the Bible, the Bible was given so that you and me can understand it. The Bible was not given for theologians and scholars to debate about it. It was not given so that they could go and work out their own interpretation and then come back and teach us that we could understand. The Bible was given so that you could read it and understand it. The Bible is written in stories. It's written in parables. It's written in letters. All so that you could understand the Bible. So an everyday person like you and me can understand it. And the Holy Spirit is no different. So the first thing that we see about the Holy Spirit... Let's just lay a foundation about what the Holy Spirit is all about, and who and what it is, and who it is. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Pretty easy. There's the Father, there's the Son, and then there's the Holy Spirit. We actually see that they are identified as persons. So the Holy Spirit is identified as a person, as you identify God the Father as a person, and God the Son, which is Jesus Christ as a person, so the Holy Spirit is a person. Meaning that the Holy Spirit has a personality. And so when you reject the Holy Spirit, you offend the Holy Spirit. When you reject Jesus, you offend Jesus. When you reject God the Father, you offend God the Father. But even though they're three distinct persons, they're all one together. And God has three very distinct parts. Just like you and me, we have very distinct parts. Now, if I was to say to you, you had a heart that feels, you had a mind that thinks, and you had a soul that lives, you would all understand that, yes, they are three different parts of your life or body, but they're all part of one one person. Your emotions, you feel through your heart, you think with your mind, your soul lives, and it craves for things. And in the same way, God has three distinct parts, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit even though they're one together. Now, if you're not convinced and you're like, I kind of just don't get that Trinity stuff. That's just really confusing. And it, it is kind of confusing. Thinking three people in one, I'm like, has got three heads? What? I mean, so I, there's a book that I read. And, and let me just say for anybody who uh, is uh, like a theologian this morning, this is not a theologically sound book. I'm just saying that. It's a fictional book. But this book was written. It was written by a guy called Paul Young. And uh, he wrote this book, Uh, I saw an interview that that he gave, and he wrote this book in order for his children to start to understand how the Trinity works. And so it's basically a fictional book, but it's a really good book, and I started reading it. And let me just say, if you get past the first three chapters without crying, then then you're good. So, you know, keep going after the first three chapters, because they're pretty traumatic. But it's a book called The Shack. It's been out for a few years. It was like a New York Times bestseller. And so if you want to understand more about the Trinity, just in a real easy way, read this book. It's a good read as well. So, uh, um, you know, if anyone wants to borrow it, they can borrow that one. It's a little battered and things that book is. But, but anyway, so there's three parts. So like I said, if you reject the Holy Spirit, you reject Jesus. If you reject Jesus, you reject God the Father. If you reject just one part of this God, you reject the whole part. Of our God. And we also see that the Holy Spirit has always been here. When God created the world, the Holy Spirit was part of this world. Actually, in the book of Genesis, when God created the world, the Bible says that God looked back, and the Bible says, and they were pleased. They were pleased, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They were pleased with with the world that they had created. And then we see also throughout the Old Testament, where we don't hear much of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is very evident. In fact, King David, when he was anointed to become king of Israel, the Bible says that when he was anointed, when Samuel came and anointed him as king, the Holy Spirit, or the Spirit of God, came upon David from that day forth for the rest of his life. At that moment, he was filled with the Holy Spirit when he was anointed as king. So we see throughout the Bible that the Holy Spirit is there and we see through the prophets and different kings and different people that the Holy Spirit comes and he, He's in and out, but we really don't know much about Him. And it's not until Jesus comes to this earth and, die and lives a sinless life, then dies a terrible death, then he, then he is resurrected to life and He ascends into heaven that we start to realize this personality and the characteristics and the purposes of the Holy Spirit. And so this morning what I want us to do, and we're going to take all, most of this from the New Testament because that's where the New Testament tells us about this Holy Spirit. I want us to identify three very distinct characteristics or things that the Holy Spirit is give, gives to us and, and the reason why there is a Holy Spirit. So the first thing this morning we see that the Holy Spirit comes to comfort us. He comes to comfort us. Jesus said on many occasions, he says, I'm going to send, when I leave, when I leave this earth, I'm going to send a comforter or a helper. Now, when I say comforter, I'm not thinking like leopard skin, snuggy, you know, curled up in front of the TV or something like that, or like nice downy duvet that you sleep with. Okay? It's a different kind of comforter. In fact, it's a comforter who will come alongside The church, and when I say the church, I mean each of us individually, collectively, we are the church. And it's somebody who comes alongside the church to help the church, to lift the church up, and to guide the church. So to help, to lift up, and guide. Let's see what the Bible says. If you've got your Bibles this morning, if you want to turn to the book of John, chapter 14. John chapter 14. And this morning, there's a lot of different verses we're going to look at. I'm not sure if we're going to have a chance to look at all the verses uh, in there, but uh, I'll, I'll let you know if you want to take some notes and write them down and look at them later, you can. But the first one is found in John chapter 14 and verse 16. John chapter 14 and verse 16. And Jesus says this. He says, And I will ask the Father, so God the Father, and He will... Give you another advocate. Other translations says comforter. Others says helper. Who will never leave you. So Jesus says that the God the Father is going to give you an advocate. Is going to give you a comforter. He's going to give you a helper. Who will never leave you. First thing we see about the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to this earth. Lived 33 years. And then went back to heaven. But the Holy Spirit has come to live with us forever the Holy Spirit will never leave you. And if you have the Holy Spirit, that means you have something that will never leave you. Whether you're going through a good time or a bad time, the Holy Spirit is constant. It's always there. Then we see in John 14, verse 26, it says, When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, He will teach you everything and remind you of everything I have told you. So the second thing that we see here, that this comforter, this advocate has come to teach us and remind us of everything that Jesus has told us. And so, when there is times in your life when you start to doubt God, when there are times when you forget what Jesus has done or Jesus has said, the Holy Spirit comes to remind us what Jesus has said. It comes to remind us that God is real. It, it, it's come to remind us when we doubt God that we must keep our faith in God. And then we also see in John chapter 15 and verse 26, it says, But I will send you the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and he will testify all about me. Basically, he will keep truth in your heart. The truth of God, the truth of Jesus, the Holy Spirit will keep in your hearts and in your minds. And the Bible says that it is the truth of God that sets you free. He sets you free from pain. He sets you free from hurts. He sets you free from sin. This world around us will want to destroy truth. And it will definitely want to destroy the truth of God. We see so many different theories and ideologies in this world that can just make us so confused. And it is the Holy Spirit who comes to the church and starts to build that truth so that when others come and start to doubt God, when others come and question God and try to argue with us about God and and try to prove that there is no God, it is the Holy Spirit that comes into our lives and He builds that truth within us so that we will never doubt God. And then we also see in John 16, verse 13. It says there, when the Spirit of Truth, which is the Holy Spirit, comes, He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. The word there he says, He will come and He will guide you. And the Holy Spirit has come to guide you. And then later on it says, the Holy Spirit will tell you about the things that are coming in the future. So I believe the Holy Spirit has been given to give you insight into things that are happening in your life and He's come to give you direction. How many of you have come to a crossroads in your life and you want to turn left or right and you have no idea which way to go? It is the role of the Holy Spirit to come and guide you and show you which way you should go. So the Holy Spirit has been given as a comforter. It is a gift to us, the church, to help us in times of need. You know, the Holy Spirit lifts your own spirits when you are down. The Holy Spirit intersects your thoughts when doubts prevail and starts to speak truth. But the Bible also says the Holy Spirit is an advocate for you. He is a representative uh, of you. So He goes before God the Father on your behalf. In fact, the Bible even tells us that when you cannot pray, When you find it difficult to pray, the Bible says that it is the Holy Spirit who makes intercession for you. And so when you can't pray, it is the Holy Spirit who comes and prays for you. The Holy Spirit has come to be a help, to be a comforter, to lift you up and to guide you. The second thing that we see is not only is the Holy Spirit a comforter and a help, but the Holy Spirit fights for you as well. How many of you, uh, towards the beginning of the year, got sick, like really sick? Put your hands up. Like one person? Okay, I thought like everyone was sick. Where were you guys? You all told me you didn't come to church, but you were sick. I'm like, no, I'm kidding. But uh, so, so many, I was like, I, either end of last year or beginning of this year, somebody got sick. And a lot of you probably went to the doctors, and the doctors gave you some antibiotics. And when he gave you those antibiotics, that you took them and the moment you took them those antibiotics went straight to the to the place in your body where there was infection and disease and it started to fight for your body and in the same way that when you take antibiotics and they fight for your body the holy spirit has been given to fight for your life to fight for your life and what it fights it doesn't fight infection and disease the Holy Spirit actually comes to fight sin in our lives. You know, our own bodies, our own lives, we're so full of sin and our own desires and our own cravings and our own impulsions, uh, compulsions that those desires take us away from a relationship with God. They take us away from the truth of God and, and being right in the, and being right in together in the sight of God. And it is the Holy Spirit that comes to fight that sin in your life. It's that Holy Spirit that comes to fight those desires or those compulsions that you have. You know, how many of you, 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 you wake up one day and, uh, and, and you can feel like as holy as thou, and then the next day you feel like you just want to go and kill someone or something like that. You know, I mean, is it just me? Or like, but like, you want to just go and do something like really bad. That's just your natural instinct. That's just those, the sin just coming in your life that is just taking control. And it is the Holy Spirit who comes like an antibiotic in your body comes and fights for you. Let's take a quick look. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. We're going to read through to verse 14. So bear with me on this. It says, So there is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to Him... The power of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weaknesses of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. And we talked about this last week. He said He sent His own Son in the body, like the bo- in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving His Son... Jesus as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that, ju- that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us. Who no, longer fo- who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead we follow the Spirit. So instead of following our own desires and our own compulsions and, 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 and our own sin, we now follow the Spirit. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit and if we're part of the church we should be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Think about these things that please the Spirit. So letting your spirit your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So when we let our own sinful nature control our lives it leads to spiritual death. And ultimately, physical death. But when we let the Spirit guide us, it fights for us. And it gives us life. And it gives us peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws and it never will. But, why though, uh, but um, that's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. But you who are not controlled by your sinful nature, you who are controlled by the Spirit... If you have the Spirit of God living in you, and then it says, listen to this, this is important. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Then he says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the thieves of your sinful nature, you will live. And it says this, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You know, when the Spirit of God comes in your life, it brings freedom, it brings life, and it brings peace because it is working to fight against your sinful nature. And naturally, we are sinful beings. But the Spirit of God has come to fight against our natural nature, which leads to death in order to give us life and peace. However, we see, that, we see in the Bible that it starts with us making a choice. With us making a choice. Are we going to allow our sinful nature to control our lives? Or are we going to allow the Holy Spirit a place in our hearts in which to fight for you? You know those antibiotics? If they just sit on, on your counter and you never take them, they're never going to do anything for you. They have all the power to make you better and fight disease and infection. But unless... You actually take in of those antibiotics. They will never work for you. The same with the Spirit of God. If you don't let the Holy Spirit a place in your your life, then your sinful nature will just take control and the Spirit will never be able to give you life and peace. Let's see what the the Bible says about that. In Galatians, the book of Galatians chapter 5. I told you there's a lot of different Bible verses today. But Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. It says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Holy Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature does. Or the sinful nature desires. it says this. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your own good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. And this is the result of that sinful nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger... Selfish ambitions, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. And it says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Spirit produces this kind of fruit. So when you have the Spirit of God in you, it doesn't just produce life and peace. It produces a list of things. It produces love, joy, peace. Patience, goodness, uh, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then in verse 24 it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to Jesus' cross and crucified them there. And it says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us also follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. You know, we have a choice to make. And that is to either let the Holy Spirit a place in our hearts or let our sinful nature take control. There in Galatians it says they can't coexist together. They can't live in the same house. They can't live in 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 the same person. You've either got a sinful nature or you've got a Holy Spirit. And it is the Holy Spirit that leads to life and peace. I don't like to talk about my past too much because... I'm kind of past it. But I made some bad choices in my late teens and also early 20s. And I sometimes make some bad choices now, but they were really bad choices. And I went through a period in my life where I decided, you know, I still went to church. I still believed in God, but I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to make my own pleasures and, uh, you know, and, and basically this sinful nature that we've been talking about, just kind of just consume my life, and I went through a, a kind of like a party uh, uh, time in my life where every weekend I was out and I, I was doing things you know somebody uh, who was a Christian shouldn 't be doing and I was a pastor's kid as well, so you know people in the church you know found out about some of the stuff and there was all this drama and everything and so I caused problems and i wasn 't a problem child but Two of my friends and myself, we went to this party one night, or we were planning on going to a party. And I knew there was going to be a lot of stuff at this party, but I was very excited about it. And as I went out the door, my dad turned to me and goes, where are you going? I says, I'm going to a party. And he says, what party? And I told him what it was. He goes, where it was it? It was like on the other side of the city. We had to catch a couple of city buses to get there. And my dad said, I don't want you to go. And I says, well tough, I'm going. He says, I really have a bad feeling about it. I don't want you to go. I says, well, tough, I'm going. I said, Friday night, I'm going out in the town. I'm going to enjoy myself. And so I went and met my other friends. And as soon as I left that house, I started walking to my, friend, my other friend's house, and I just started feeling this, this conviction. That's all I can call it, conviction on me. And I started feeling sick, and I wanted to throw up. And I went around my friend's house, and we we came out. We met our other friend, and we went to the bus stop. We waited there about 20 minutes, because if anyone has ever caught a steady bus, you know that, like, you have to wait forever, and then two come along at once, and it's horrible. Um, But we were waiting there for about 20 minutes, and I just started getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And the bus came, and my two friends got on the bus, and I turned around, and I was like, I can't go. I can't go. There's just something. I said, I don't feel good. There's something not right. And I walked home, they were like, well, suit yourself, we're going. And I walked home, and I walked into my my parents' home, I slammed the door, and I shouted out, you can stop praying now. I said, I'm home. My parents had been praying for me. And through that, the Holy Spirit just really convicted me. And it was a real wake-up call to my life, because my life was spiraling out of control. And at that moment, I realized that I was letting these passions and this sin just consume my life. And it wasn't all plain sailing after that, but I started turning my life around for God. About two months later, it was my friend's birthday. Those, two, those same two friends, we went out with a whole, a, a whole lot of other, uh, other people. And we were the only Christians. All the others were, were non-Christians. And we went to uh, the downtown area of our city and we went out for a meal. And uh, they were, they were going to go all off clubbing and everything a night, to a nightclub after. And they asked me if I wanted to go. And I started to turn my life around. I said, no. I said, I'm just going to go home. And uh, they were like, no, no, come, come. We're going to enjoy ourselves. I said, no, it's okay. I said, so I, had, I, I met them for the meal. And I started walking home. And it was about a, a two and a half, three mile walk from downtown to, to, to our home. And I just walked home. And it was about 11 o'clock at night. And I just felt this urgency within me to start praying. And I started praying for my two friends, Rick and Abe. And all the way home, I was just praying. I was like, God, just, there's something that's not right. You've got to do something. And I went home. I went to bed. And, and, and I really prayed hard. That was on the Friday night. Sunday morning, we are all in church because we were like good church people. you know. I mean, we went clubbing on Friday and Saturdays, church Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, I don't recommend it. Trust me. Um, and so I met them in church in the morning. And they were like, you would not believe what happened Friday night. My friend Rick said, suddenly we went to this nightclub and we we're on the dance floor. And he said, suddenly the music just got quiet. He said, and suddenly I just heard God speak to me. He says, I've never heard it before. And all I heard God say, why are you here? And he says, it just freaked me out so much. I just ran out of that place. And then I found out that my fr- friend Aid, whose birthday it was, had passed out because he'd had too much to drink. And he passed out, and then I found out later that after that, his friends had started smoking some, some pot and some weed, and by the end of the night, they were snorting cocaine. And Aid would have been part of that. But something happened that night, And from that night on, I realized, man, there is a battle that's going on for our lives. And I can't explain it, and it's a mystery to me. But all I know, there's a battle going on for your life and for my life. And there is a sinful nature that wants to consume your life and really wants to destroy your life. And then there is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that wants to defeat this sinful nature to give you life, to give you purpose, to give you peace and understanding in this life. The result of this is that God is fighting for your life. And when God wins, this beautiful fruit is just produced in your life. And this fruit makes a difference in your life for good. It makes a difference in your family's life. It makes a difference in your friend's life. In everything that you do in your life, the Spirit of God produces this fruit in your life that just changes your life forever. He fights for you. And lastly today, very quickly, the Holy Spirit empowers you. He has come to empower you. God does not want us to live in bubble-wrapped lives. He doesn't want us to live off in little caves totally separate from the world. Jesus said to his disciples, He said, "I command you to go into all the world and spread my message, declare the good news, declare the gospel into all the world." And then he says this in Acts chapter, uh, chapter one and verse eight, Acts chapter one and verse eight. He says this: "But you will receive power." When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses telling people everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I believe the Holy Spirit has been given to the church in in order for us to be empowered to do what Jesus has commanded us to do, and that is to go out and tell others about Jesus Christ. I don't know if you guys have ever told someone about Jesus Christ. I think it's a nerve wracking experience but the Holy Spirit has been given to empower you so that you will be able to do it. The Holy Spirit has been given so the church could function as the church order function. Jesus told His disciples, He said, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will do greater works than I did. And we see that these disciples did great works. They raised the dead. They healed the sick. They survived shipwrecks. They they went through floggings and beatings. They stood up to kings and emperors. And even in the face of death, they had more power than their killers had when they lived. Why? Because the Holy Spirit empowered them. And the Holy Spirit gave them more than what was humanly possible. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, empowers each and every one of us in different ways. We haven't got time to look at it, but in the, in the first book of Corinthians in chapter 12, Verses 1 to 11. We see all these different gifts that the God has given to the church. Gifts of service. Gifts of wisdom. gift of healing. Gifts of prophecy. We see all these different gifts that God has given to the church. And the Bible says that they were given so that we could help one another. Help one another. So that we could be the church. I believe that God has given you special gifts. I believe that those special gifts of to be used for the church. If God has given you a gift of service. Use it. Because God has given you that for the church. If God has given you a gift of hospitality. Invite people into your home. Because God has given you that for the church. If God has given you a gift of compassion. Then, then be compassionate towards people. Because God has given that to build up the church. God has given you different gifts. Because he's empowered the church to be all that the church was meant to be. And that is a mighty force that goes into the world and declares a message of life, a message of hope, a message of salvation, and a message of grace. Zechariah verse 4 and 6 says this. It said, it is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by my spirit, says the Lord. And you will try to go out and do things in your own might, and maybe you've been trying to raise a family in your own might. Or you've been trying to, to keep a marriage together in your own might. Or trying to work a business in your own might. Maybe you've, you've tried to follow your dreams and your passions with, with like self-help books. And, and, and in your own power and in your own might. But the Bible says, forget that. Just let my Spirit lead you. Let my Holy Spirit, which has been given as a gift to you, lead you. And He will take you into great things. Incredible things. You may ask today, well, it's all very well, but how do I receive the Holy Spirit? Like I said this morning, we're not going to get into a a theological debate or anything like that. But the Bible is very clear about when the Holy Spirit enters your life. And in in the as we close today, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 to 14 says, Says And now you Gentiles everybody who wasn't a Jew it's talking to you have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you, and when you believed in Christ, He identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom He promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that He will give that that He will give us an inheritance He promised. And then He purchased for us to be His own special people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify God. This is what I believe this morning. And you may not believe the same I believe. And, that, and that, that's fine. But this is what I believe. I believe that when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God comes and changes your life. I believe at that moment the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And He starts working for your life. I also believe that there are times after that, where God just fills you anew and refreshes you anew and the Holy Spirit comes upon your life. Not so you can have just a great time and we can all have wonderful church so that you can be thrust forward into what God has purposed you to be so that you could go and reach more people for Jesus Christ. I honestly believe that the Holy Spirit is working in your lives. And even though the Holy Spirit is constant, sometimes we can reject the Holy Spirit out of our lives. And we can let our own sinful nature back in. But I believe that God has given you a Holy Spirit. So that you can be helped. You can be comforted. So that He will fight for you and fight against this sin. And also, so that you can be empowered to be all that God has called you to be. Now you know this morning we didn't talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit. We didn't talk about Speaking in tongues or anything like that. Because the question was, why is there a Holy Spirit? And this is why there is a Holy Spirit. To help you be everything you have been called to be. Let's pray.